0: You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin Fans for Miami Dolphin Fans. Your source for entertaining dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Alright, tonight with me I've got Jim Johnson. Hey everybody. And Louis Fergoni. Hello, hello, hello yeah we've got quite a bit to talk about this evening uh unfortunately we're we're gonna start this show on a sad note uh we lost Nick Boacani and uh you know he he was probably the the best linebacker that I saw play in in my early years of watching the dolphins and uh just a great great player a, a great father a great man and uh words cannot describe what type of a loss that really is uh, Lou, tell me about Nick Bonacani.
1: It's, it. You hit it right on, Mike, in regard to uh, the great person he was. You know, you talked a little bit about that, the charity work he did. Uh, you know, he he struggled a lot with uh, you know his son and what happened to him. I mean, everybody knows that. We don't have to go down that avenue. But you know, when you start seeing your heroes pass, you know, it hurts. Because these are guys that you grew up watching as a kid. And, you know, one by one, you start to see these guys go and it, it hurts. It really does. You know, they're they're important to you as a kid. And as you get older, you just, you love them even more. You know, sure. you see the person that he turns into. We watched him for years. I know all three of us watched him on Inside the NFL Absolutely. for years. Absolutely, we didn't miss it. I mean, you didn't have the NFL Network You didn't have, you know, I mean, they were on before ESPN. You know, you used to look forward to watching inside the NFL and seeing all the highlights. And he hosted that show for years. And he he was just a great, great person. And, um, you know, it it is a sad thing. You know, I I hate to see it happen to, like I said, guys that, you know, we grew up watching. It's
0: inevitable, but it's not pleasant. It's
1: never pleasant. I mean, the guy was a 13th round draft pick and became a Hall of Famer. So it tells you what type of individual this guy was. You know, he came out of college as a defensive tackle, and they converted him to linebacker. New England did, and then we traded for him and had a Hall of Fame
0: career. Technically, it was Boston. It was Boston, right? Yes.
1: Technically it was Boston. Same thing, Boston, New England. That's Jim's area. You know, I'm surprised he didn't correct me on that. But Yeah, uh, it's, right. um, it's all right. The, you know, the Miller Lite commercials. I mean, you know, you you just grew up with him doing so many different things. He was always like right there. You know, those Miller Lite commercials, you know, about the no-name defense. Yeah, it, it is. It is sad day in Dolphin Land. You know, like I posted on the uh, Facebook page. But um,
0: he was- you know, we were so spoiled. We, had, I'm sorry, Jim. We were so spoiled. We had Nick and and Offerdahl uh, and and Zach Thomas, all intelligent, intelligent players. And uh, it's hard to replace those guys yeah
2: yeah nick was a great player on the field he he was the captain of the of the defense called the plays obviously he did an excellent job at that and then off the field you know the miami project he you know he generated millions and millions of dollars for the you know the the paralysis uh, cures and so forth and he's helped hundreds and hundreds of players People. kids car accident victims from that miami project uh, to help with the paralysis just a great man off the field on the field and uh doing things for his family the community and anybody that needed a hand and uh, definitely will be missed
0: You know, he had like 163 tackles in a 14-game season. That was 1973. That is still a team record.
2: Yeah, that's an amazing stat, realistically. I mean, he was too small, not strong enough. You know, the the typical Zach Thomas thing. Um, And he was just a, a smart, intuitive player. And he had a nose for the football. And he made a ton of plays. And, you know, you can't substitute that brain power, you know, with speed and, and muscles, there's, there's only so much you can do. You know, if you if you run to the wrong place, it's, uh you know, a dead end. Yeah.
1: And ev- everything that you, that he brought to the game is exactly what is not there in the game nowadays. And I know we're, you know, we're old school, me and Mike are, Jim, I know you are to an extent, and that's what you don't see as much in the game anymore. You just don't see it. You don't see guys overachieving. You see guys going through the motions. Okay, we'll get them next time type of attitude. You just don't see that that type of individual. The level of commitment. Exactly. Yeah. You don't see it anymore. You just don't. I don't see it.
0: I mean, Nick was a guy, if you screwed up, he'd pull you aside and he'd correct you. He didn't tolerate it, you know? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why that that defense only had something like eleven mental errors the whole season. They they were machine. we have that in a quarter now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right, right. We have that on, in a quarter. We have that on one drive, Mike. Yep. On occasion, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's games you can go back to and you say, "My God!" I mean, they they made six, seven, eight mistakes on that drive alone. Guys yeah. being out of place and. Yeah, jumping I mean, off
0: sides or whatever it was. Yeah, you know? not,
1: not not covering a guy, a guy wide open down the field. At, that Houston game, you know, comes to mind last year. But anyway, let's get on to. Uh,
0: yeah, we were going to talk about uh, tight ends and running backs today because we, we didn't have time to cover them uh, last week. So let's do that. Uh, now, obviously, we don't know the exact number the team's going to choose to keep I would assume with tight ends you're probably going to keep four, and I would think the same thing with the running backs. Uh, so if that's accurate, uh, which four guys do you guys see making the team?
2: Uh, yeah, as far as tight end goes, we've got Dwayne Allen, and he's going to make the roster. We just we just don't know how healthy he's going to be, and of course Mike Geseki, you know he'll make the team. From there you got O'Leary that's basically your starter right now. He's looked good in camp and you know he's gonna make the roster, and then probably Smythe, our other draft pick. So those would be the four tight ends that I would I would think would be on the team. And then the running backs obviously. Uh you know you've got Drake and Ballage uh you know whether you consider uh Cox a running back or a full back I don't know how you want to break that down um yeah, I
0: have him in the running back group simply for numbers
2: Yeah and and then from there you've got Walton and uh, I'm having a brain fart on the other guy we drafted Gask- Gaskin. Gaskin that's it mm-hmm. uh Miles Gaskin um you know, if Walton's off the field issues are squared away, he brings a lot of things to the plate. But, you know, we did just draft Gaskin. So, you know, I'm thinking Walton will be the odd man out.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm on the same page with you, Jim. Uh, you know, I I don't see Walford making the team unless, of course, there's an injury. And, you know, we've got. You four... mean Walton? Uh, no, Walford in regard to the tight ends. Oh, right? okay. Cl- I'm Clive Walford. Yeah, yeah, got you. Um, you know, the other, the only other tight end I think we have in camp is that Myrick, you know, like Chris Myrick. I don't know anything about him whatsoever. I mean, I hate to, you know, throw something like that in, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it's pretty much those four guys. Again, we've got four games, you know, four preseason games, injuries could, Maybe put Wolford on the team if one of these guys is hurt going into the season. And, you know, Allen, I think, is healthy now, right? What they're saying in regards well, to he, him he, being he had,
0: ready. He practiced, but I don't know how healthy he is.
1: Right. Well, he's got about another month, you know, to get into a, situ- you know, into a position where he's healthy enough to play in games. So, I mean, you know, it's, Wolford's maybe the only guy that makes the team if somebody gets hurt. But I'm on the same page with Jim in regard to the tight ends. Um, you know, how productive they're going to be, I don't know because I think each one of them brings a little bit something different to the table. Uh, you know, are we going to have a guy that is able to package it, you know, block and make plays? down the field on our offense. Um, I don't know. I don't know if any of these guys are capable of doing both. So, well, O'Leary,
0: O'Leary would be the closest to that, I think.
1: The closest, right. But he doesn't have the uh, ability that Gisecki does as far as down the field Correct. and stuff. So, you're gonna lose a little bit. You're gonna gain a little bit. You're saying that he does both the best out of all of them, the combination. Right,
0: he's probably the best combination, tighter
1: Right. And uh, in regard to running back, I mean, you know, Bellage and Drake are there. Um, they've got a guy named Patrick Laird. I don't know – again, it's another guy I don't know a lot about. Cox is obviously – he should be there unless he falters completely. I would think that he's going to be here. And then it becomes a situation between Walton and Gaskins, and maybe if they both play well during the preseason, they both make the team, and they keep five running backs. I don't know, you know, because you got to take away – from another position, if in fact you do that, but um, you know these next four weeks will be telling. You know of somebody's course. gotta somebody's gotta emerge uh, behind Belage and Drake, and um, whether it be Gaskins or Lard, uh, I mean, but Gaskins or Walton, and so be it. But we'll you know we'll know you know once we start seeing them play in football games, and these guys are going to get a lot of playing time, so we'll we'll get a good look at them.
0: Yep, I agree with both you guys uh, with the names that you mentioned. I'm I th- right on the same page, so there's no reason to go through it. Um, we took some uh, member questions this week, and, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, we belong to a Facebook group called Miami Dolphins Number One. That's hashtag one. And uh, uh, some of our guys have submitted questions to us, so we're going to go ahead and address those questions. Rusty Coons asked, uh, what is the... Uh, battle uh, at positions and what's the deepest? And he guesses it's wide receivers. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think wide receiver is the deepest position we have?
2: I do believe that wide receiver is our deepest place. I mean, we've got a lot of positions that we have a number of, of bodies, but they're not really similar in talent level so you know you obviously can pick the cream of the crop there but with the receiver position it's a it's a bit tighter you know for the fourth and fifth roster spots uh you've got preston williams who i've been impressed with and was happy to see uh we picked him up because of his size uh, and he's been doing well in camp uh you know he has and but you've got you know, Bryce Ford and and some of these other guys that are right Isaiah I, Ford. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, Isaiah Ford. Mm-hmm. And uh they're right there on the cuff. And we've got two other guys coming off major injuries. So, you know, do they keep six guys? Do they pad something and keep seven? But like you already mentioned, Lou, you, you can't keep too many players at any one position or you hurt yourself somewhere else.
1: So Right. And, you know, with the fact that Drake is such a good receiver out of the backfield, it's possible that they only go with five receivers because you can line him up in the slot and he can do things for you there. Um, You know, the only other and I agree with you, Jim, in regard to the receivers. And who was the person that asked the question, Mike, on the uh, on the page? This was Rusty Coons. Rusty Coons. So basically, you know, he said receivers, the only other position. That I feel that we're somewhat deep at now is is the uh, safety position because now with McCain back there, you have you know, and he's starting you know, on the depth chart. You know, he's he's in there right now as a starter along with Rashad Jones. Now you have T.J. McDonald behind them, another very solid player, and then you have Fitzpatrick. So you've got you've got four guys there at you know in that safety position to where I feel that all four of them would do a pretty solid job. Now, when you when you throw the cornerbacks in, it gets a little shaky, but as far as safeties are concerned, yeah, I think I there's some depth there.
0: Now, which uh position battle do you think is the tightest? The position battle,
1: I mean, it's got to be offensive line. Um, you know, you've got You've got Dieter and you've got Chris Reed and you've got Davis.
0: I don't think Dieter's in for a battle. I think he's starting.
1: He's going to start. Well, I think so. There's um, possibilities there, Mike. And again, we have to watch over the next four weeks who comes forward and who plays better in these games. Um, You know, I never bank on an offensive lineman that's a rookie stepping in there and and just you know doing the job without getting some type of um
0: validation in games
1: exactly so Let's just you know, let's just wait and see. Um, you know, the tight end position, which you which we already talked about, is going to be interesting as well. But I think that's going to be a, a switch in and out type of thing, where they're not going to have a like a set starter. You know, they'll have a guy that starts the game, and you know, when the the names stroll across the TV set, you know, Dwayne Allen is your starter at tight end, but. You know, as the game progresses, you're going to probably see all four of the guys that make the team in at one point or another. Um, so, you know, I think that because we're just not that deep at a lot of these positions, Mike, that, you know, the the offensive line is probably the biggest um, position in regard to people competing.
0: I would agree. And I think, the you know, the wild card is Davis. Is he going to be a tackle? Is he going to be a guard, you know? Right, and uh, it a lot depends on what happens at the other positions, and that, that'll kind of uh, help them to decide where to leave him. Mm-hmm. Um, this question is actually from me, and uh, the the question is: What's the difference between allowing a young player to develop and making excuses for a player who's really not playing all that well? You know, a youngster that's not playing all that well. Can you guys differentiate between that?
2: I look at a guy's, you know, in his position and then his skill level coming in and was he at the top of his class? Is he highly rated? Should he be doing, you know, this part of the game right now? Or should he still be learning something? If a guy's raw coming in, then you expect him to have to learn a few things. If a guy is drafted highly and he's, you know, say the best at whatever his position
0: is. So let's, let's hypothetically yep. put. Gazeki into that uh, mix.
2: I'm right on the edge of teeter-tottering between he needs a little bit more time. I mean, this is his second year. I think he'll be okay. Right. But it gets really old making up excuses why he can't get past an elbow at the defense, at the line of scrimmage. Um, he needs to play better. And I'm kind of getting done with the excuses with Gazeki. He needs to man up and make some plays. And until he does that, you know, they're all still excuses to me. Uh, okay. But, you know, he does, you know, a tight end is a difficult play, you know, position to learn. You got to learn. It is. You got to learn all the offensive line stuff and all the receiver stuff. So there is. And you got to grow into your body a little bit, too. Exactly. So. Exactly. I, I'm not making excuses for him, really, at this point. uh He's got a little time left, but, you know. If you're not seeing progression and eliminating some of those same mistakes, then you know you're on a downward spiral, and you're you you know it's just excuse time.
0: Well, I think quarterback is really a whole different ball game because they are sometimes more patient with young quarterbacks than they would be with a young tight end or or Charles Harris or, or really name anybody else. It doesn't matter, uh, you know. I, I but I think there is that fine line there, you know when you are spending too much time on a player they've got to come in and, and kind of like bill Parcells used to say if they don't bite as pups they're probably not gonna bite and I, I think there's some truth to that but there's also some exceptions to that and, and you've got to take it on a case-by-case basis um, with a guy like gazeki he's got so much natural ability but he has a problem with contact and and this is a contact sport so what they have to figure out is can they teach him to be more effective physically and can they grow his body to a point where he'll be able to be more effective physically. Now, that takes time. That takes weight work and that takes repetition and all that other stuff. You know, this is this is how, what they have to battle with when they make these decisions as to uh, whether they should or should not give a player additional time to grow. Uh, Lou, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, uh, the uh, the coaching staff is with these guys every single day. You know, we see. You know, we we'll see the game on Thursday night, and they'll each player will have a limited amount of opportunities to do what they need to do on the offensive side, on the football. You know, on the defensive side. So, you know, in regard to us as fans and as so-called experts and podcast members and whatnot. You know, that's all we're seeing. So I rely on the coaches, and we have to trust in them to where they're putting the guys on the field that deserve to be on the field, and they're putting them in a position to make plays and not putting them in a position to where they're not going to be successful. So a lot of this falls on the coaching. Now, as, as you watch these games and you see guys fail over and over again, and we can go back to GiSeki because you brought him up Mike and you and Jim just spoke about him mm-hmm. if this guy continues to not make plays when he's given opportunities then then there's an issue and that's the way I feel at every position and that's the you know I I'm a no nonsense I don't have the patience for it you either you either make plays or you don't make plays and you're either going to be here or you're going to be gone and there's a million players across the league that have come in and have been put in a position and have failed at it. So you move on from it. And in today's NFL, they move on quickly. They don't have the patience they once did years ago. So I think that a guy like Jacecki, this is a really, really big year for him. And and there's other guys on the roster as well. You know, we talked about Drake in the past. Some of these guys are going to have to step up and make plays, or they're just not going to be here. So, you know, I know there's a thin line, like you said, but, you know, I I believe in the coaching staff to where it's their job to evaluate these guys on an everyday basis. I mean, these guys are there every single day, and it's up to them to put – the guy on the field that deserves to be on the field, whether it be a second round pick or a guy that was a free agent. Put the best guy there. The guy right. that's doing the job game day in and day out. So, so
0: what you're saying is the coaches need to get the pups biting. Exactly.
1: And you know what? Sometimes, Mike, it's not it's it's not even it's not in the player. You know, maybe Gisecki just does not have it in him. He doesn't like the contact. I mean, we can go back to, um, oh, God, who's the receiver that's with uh, the the Ted Ginn Jr.? Uh He he does not enjoy contact, but you know what? He's become an extremely solid player in the NFL for a few different teams after we let him go, and he wasn't very good when he was here. No, He he
0: wasn't.
1: He had speed, but he developed into a player, and there are times where that happens, but Nine times out of ten, if the guy is not being productive early on, then then there's an issue. So that, that's the way I look at it. There's more examples of guys going in that direction than they are in the Ginn direction, if you right. guys can follow me.
0: Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, Mark Rutherford asks, what, what do you see the, as the uh, key differences between this camp under Flores and, and previous camps?
1: Well,
2: camp, camp is camp to some degree but there seems to be a little bit more team orientation with it you know that tnt wall you know takes no talent kind of thing things like that that's different than what we've seen in the past and i'm i'm in just in love with the the direction that this new regime has has gone you know we got a lot of youth um we're hoping that they they develop into star players But I think the mentality is going in the right direction. Uh, The the whole team first rather than me first type of thing. And, you know, other than that, you know, camp is camp. And there's only so much you can take out of it. Uh, You know, we got to wait until until, uh, September 8th to see what's really going on.
1: Yeah, you hit it right on right there, Jim. Once we start seeing these preseason games, we'll have a better idea of where they're at. If they're, you know, if they're more precise on plays, Uh, you know, the play calling is, you know, is all over the place. We're seeing a lot of different players in and out mixed in. Some of the guys that are fighting for positions, being productive. Once we see that, you know, after a few games, then we'll be able to tell if there is, in fact, any difference. Maybe maybe there will be, maybe there won't be. But you hit it on every, you know, in every point. So I don't need to repeat what you said. I I feel the same way you do in regard to what he's bringing to camp as far as a team orientation type thing. I think that he's closer to these players. I will say that. I don't think Gase was very good uh, communicating with the players. I think Flores is going to be much better in regard to that. Um, And I think that this coaching staff is going to be a little bit harder, not only on – the players but the coaches and we've already seen an example of that to where they've already released a coach because they didn't feel he was doing he was teaching the job properly so i like it i like the direction but again we have to see the final product before we can really put any any judgment out there on this you know because we've been down this road before so yeah yeah i feel i do
2: feel that flores has more respect from the team players than maybe Adam Gase did. Yeah. You know, Adam Gase
0: Okay, but he's not been tested. No, yet, no, no, no. Know? But I
2: feel, you know, remembering when Adam Gase came in and he was a newbie coach and all that, there's a different vibe to this to this regime. It's it's not the same as it was. And I I think that respect part is is part of it. So
0: we'll yeah, see. I, I, yeah, we will. Um, I, yeah, what I see uh, to me is uh, obviously he's stressing conditioning, which is something that I don't know was done in the past. I guess maybe Philbin did in a sense because he was running two practice fields at the same time, and they tried to keep a quick tempo in practice uh, for the same reason. So you know, under Philbin, I think they were pretty well-conditioned. Uh, but I don't. I didn't get the same vibe under under Gase, and and maybe they've gotten back to that a little bit more here. Yeah,
2: they use the bubble almost exclusively with Gase.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, and they practiced earlier. They practiced at eight thirty in the morning, and now they're practicing a little bit later when it's a little bit hotter. So that makes a difference too.
1: Right. It makes all the sense in the world. You're playing games at one o'clock in South Florida. You, you want them to adapt to that and, and be prepared for it. I mean, that's a major advantage early in the season when these teams come from, you know, yep. from up North and they're playing in 90 degree weather at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. So I, I like that. I, I do like a lot of the things. And I mean, we can get into a bunch of other stuff, but it's all small detailed stuff. But when you package it all together and you see the, you know, the, the end product, that's when we'll be able to, again, you know, right. see, see where we're at.
0: Hey, guys. I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, Let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. All right, now back to the conversation. Uh, Now, Nathan Rice asked, you know, a question. Will Flores complete the rebuild? Well, I'm going to give him an answer that may not make a lot of sense to him, but I don't think the rebuild ever completes uh, either that question should be, will he make them competitive? And, uh, I, I think the answer is yes. I just don't think it's going to happen this year.
1: Yeah. It, it's going to take, it's going to take a few years because we have a lot of deficiencies all, all across the, all across the team. So it, it's, it's not a one-year fix. It, it may not be a two-year fix, but, if we don't see them uh, making progress over these next two years and getting in a position that we're three years down the line we're competing at a very high level, then you know that's a problem. So you know it's it, that's a tough question to really answer at this point. It really yeah, it is. Yeah, it my
2: is. my thought on that com- that question was, how do you define complete? And uh, right. if you're going to define complete as you know making the rebuild and then going on to the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl, that's the only way you can really complete the whole thing. Uh, that's that's yet to be determined. But I, I have a, a better than the last two regime feeling about whether he will actually turn this franchise around and get us kind of a more respectable team than what we've had for the last decade.
0: All right. So before you elaborate on that, Daniel Reinhardt asks, What's the biggest thing uh, that you see out of the Flores coach Dolphins? I mean, really, what are you looking for? He knows that uh, wins are obvious and uh, week-to-week improvement is obvious, but how are you really going to judge the job that he's doing? Is it going to be discipline or, or turnover margin penalties? What's going to let you know that we're on the right track with Flores? So what, what are you really looking for this year out of him?
1: Well, as the season progresses, you have to see the team getting better or playing better. Now, with the talent that we have on the field, you know we, we're not going to be as good as other teams. But if we're competing... And we're playing at a decent level. And we're not making foolish mistakes, which we've done, it seems like, forever. Uh, and we're eliminating mistakes and beating ourselves. That's the, that's the key, okay? When, when you're coached well, you do not beat yourself. The other team beats you. And like I just said, if the other team has more talent than you do, then you're, you're going to probably lose the game unless that team beats themselves. So if you go into a game and you're playing disciplined football, you're not making mistakes, that's what you want to see out of this team because we have too many deficiencies to really compete against a lot of the better teams. There's just more talented teams out there. But the key for me in watching this season is watching them progress watching how disciplined they are on both sides of the football penalty-wise and being in the right position to make plays and competing. And at the end of the game saying, you know what? Hey, we lost 28-14, to but we played a very solid game. They were just better than us. So that's what I want to see. I want to see a bit more discipline, but we're starting a bunch of green
2: offensive linemen. So we're gonna have penalties, you're just gonna to have to bite your lip and, and hope they improve. But the biggest thing that I'm hoping to see is putting the players in the in better positions to be successful rather than leaving guys on the field that are vulnerable. And I understand that you know sometimes you don't have the talent, so guys are gonna be vulnerable out here, vulnerable out there, but this is the NFL, and if you can't take advantage of Of any type of little things you're going to be in trouble and this is the things that I want to see happen I want to see him be able to close out the half close out the fourth quarter do things to win a game rather than try not to lose because that mentality over the last decade just hasn't worked for us so you want to
0: see them aggressive well yeah I want to
2: I want to see him win or get beat I don't want to see him go out there and just try to do the best they can so you know, if you play your your A game and you lose to a better team, I can live with that. But play your game. Don't don't try to cover it up with conservative play calling and all this other crap that I've been hearing for years. I'm 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 done with that. You need to. So you
0: want you want to see them try and dictate the tempo of the game?
2: I mean, you got to try to control it. I mean, obviously, you're not gonna ha- you know enforce your will on on the best teams in the league but you can surprise some teams i mean every year some teams rise up every year sometimes some teams fall fall off
0: the mountain so do you do you think those are fair expectations for where this team is
2: right this minute no yes right this okay. minute
0: no but by so what what do they need to do say the next or or the first 6 weeks of the season that will make you believe that these are the right people in charge
2: stop committing drive ending penalties
1: and stop putting people in the wrong positions. Right. And and being aggressive and, and like like Jim just said and not leaving stuff on the table at the end of the game saying, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they isolate Drake in a slot against a linebacker on a third and five? That that's that's the problem I had with Gase all last year was the fact that they did not take advantage of the few the few guys that were capable of winning matches and and they, they it seemed like they attempted at times and but then you would not see it for you know for another two quarters you know you wouldn't see them doing anything in regard to that maybe putting even just on a down and out situation to where he's catching a 5 yard out and calling it a day you know i mean it, it, you have to you have to put your players in a position to at least attempt to succeed Whereas I felt that he didn't do enough of that, like Jim said they just weren't aggressive enough right. so you you want an aggressive and, and and we're just talking offense I mean you we can talk all day about how bad the defense was last year and the fact that they just sent a four run you know a four four man rush. Uh, It seemed like for for quarters and then they'd get aggressive when they would fall behind by a little bit to try and make a play. You know, they have to be aggressive, a lot more aggressive on both sides of the football. Not to a point where it's killing you, but where it's smart football. And you just never saw that.
0: Well, what I'm going to be looking for is in-game adjustments. What I'm going to be looking for is a, a coaching staff that has answers. That's something I don't feel we had a lot of. Uh, we, we tended to run the same plays over and over and over again. Yes. Uh, I want to see a coaching staff that, you know, when a wide receiver screen isn't working, uh, they've got something else in their pocket they can go to. They're not going to keep throwing wide receiver screens.
1: And a different game plan from week to week. I yes. mean, we've all talked yes. about that. You yes. know, not the same. They were so predictable, Mike. You remember us watching games last year and talking on the phone and saying, oh, I know what they're doing here. Yep. I know what they're They were so predictable. On both sides of the football, you know, you want to see – A game plan. And we we talked about this in earlier podcasts and we've talked among ourselves about that whole situation that from game to game, you want to see a different game plan than just the same thing thrown out there, regardless of who your opponent is. So, yeah, absolutely. All of those things
0: i think we're going to get that now whether or not we get in-game adjustments that are that are good i don't know we'll have to see but i do think they're going to come in with a varied approach i don't think we're going to see the same thing every week um you know these guys are from new england and and new england is is probably in my opinion the best in the league at, at changing it up when they need to
1: absolutely they are the best there's no question yeah. about it
0: all right now on a lighter note. Uh, you know, we make predictions all the time, uh, and obviously, we made predictions before we ever started podcasting. So, my my question to you guys is, uh, what's the worst prediction you ever made?
1: That's a that's a really tough one, Mike. I mean, you're talking, you know, <laughs> you're talking forty years of watching football.
0: Um, now, let's say the last ten years. Let's not go back. All to right. That. So. More recently, probably yeah.
1: after the after Gase got us to the playoffs in season one, uh, going into that second season, thinking that we were on our way, and we kind of took a step backwards. Uh, you know, I felt that, and I, I think you did too, Mike, that he was going to be a guy. Don't get
0: me involved in your worst <laughs> well, prediction.
1: You know, come on, Mike.
0: I got my own worst
1: prediction. I've got a better memory, and I know you talking a lot of smack about Gase. But the point, I, I would say most recently it's that, you know, I, I really after that rookie season with, you know, uh, Gase's rookie season that we were going to, go forward and we were going to be a playoff contender year in and year out. And obviously that didn't happen. So I would probably say most recently that that's what comes to mind for me.
0: What about you, Jim? Well,
2: I've been pretty hard on Ryan Tannehill the last few years and he's deserved. You're still hard on him. He's, he's, he's deserved most all of it, (laughs) but, yeah, but I've got a number 17 Jersey hanging in my closet and you know <laughs> i thought he was gonna improve his game like
0: it's cold up there in the north man i'd have burnt that yeah
2: thing well it's still in the closet it hasn't been out in a long friggin' time but it's it's hanging know, in there and that this you know this is hard for me to admit but you know but uh you know i got a 125 jersey hanging in the closet and it's uh kind of a waste of money and i but I was on the Tannehill train in the beginning. I, uh, you know, he had some skills, and I thought he was going to learn a few things, and he would be able to get it done. And he still might. Ah, uh, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure seven years in, it's, it, the light bulb ain't going to go on on third down. So that's uh, no, that's my admission.
0: So Mike, what's well, what's yours? Let's hear it. Mine is, is Dallas Thomas. Uh, I, I kind of thought that Dallas Thomas was strong enough, and that good enough feet and he'd turn into something and I told people to be patient with him and well they weren't and they were right and I wasn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah individual players Mike uh, you can go up and down our roster I mean Kowa Misi after they signed after he signed that nice contract with us we really thought he was going to be a beast at linebacker and and, you know, these are guys that we drafted, you know, and uh, they just didn't develop into the players that we – how about that Ignu? I thought yes, Ignu was yes. going to be an incredible tight end. All they raved about was, you know, his his basketball – you know, he had basketball type right. ability and he could just leap and, and do all these great things. And it never, you know, it never came to the football field. So, there's there's a ton of individual guys that, you know, God if I sat here and thought about it, I could probably come up with a, you know, a dozen of them, but um yeah, Dallas Thomas is actually an interesting one. Yeah.
0: Very yeah, th- thanks for that. Yeah, um all right. All right, so Zach Thomas uh, might have an opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame next year. You guys have probably heard they're going to be uh nominating 20 people. Wow. Uh 10 from the uh, senior committee and uh few more current players and the uh, the rest will be uh contributors contributors right, right, contributors, yeah. Yeah. Contributors, right. Yeah.
1: that's a lot now now the contributors are going to be included yes. in the in the, in 10, the 20 in, yeah. in among the 20 okay yeah. that's that's a big number it really it is. is a big number and i think you know they've done it in baseball as well you know the hall of fame's kind of got watered down as far as i'm concerned um you know, the game's changed. Uh, these receivers are putting up big numbers. Um, you know, the quarterbacks, obviously, with the rule changers, are putting up big numbers. And you're going to see a lot of guys that uh, that are going to make the Hall of Fame, and it's going to water it down. I, I don't know if I really agree with it, Mike, but your question is what, whether Zach Thomas is Well, it wasn't really deserted. a question.
0: I, what I was saying was he's going to have maybe a better opportunity to get in than he's had in recent years
1: right and, and and he very well might and I, I'm assuming kuchenberg will probably wind up getting in now as well if they're if they're you know, adding...
0: you know who they're talking about dick anderson
1: well he's he's another one that i i believe is deserving yeah
0: uh but I hear his name mentioned more now. I don't hear anybody talking yeah, about yeah I haven't seen kuchenberg's
2: name mentioned at all and, and he you know wow. but we're off the track here I, you know Zach Thomas belongs in the Hall of Fame whether they induct their regular eight or whether it's 20 but you know, the dude's gotten overlooked because, you know, the Dolphins weren't a popular team. And, you know, so he's not the, the homegrown hero. So the, the dude's got all the stats. He's got all uh, the records and his his accolades.
0: And he should be in. Oh, shout out to my wife for uh, th- throwing him a bone during his uh, induction speech. That
2: was big of any player to, uh,
1: you know, throw a bone
2: to another player. So that's huge. Yep. Yeah, that was cool.
1: Yeah, he played him twice a year, so he would know better than anybody. But, I mean, Mawai is a guy that comes to mind right away. It's funny that you mentioned him because I, I honestly never saw him as a Hall of Fame-type player. And, I, you know, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think it's getting a little bit watered down. When I, when you think of Hall of Famers, I, Mawai doesn't come to mind. He just doesn't, you know. It, I, I, I don't know.
0: I don't really disagree with you. Uh, I, I wouldn't, he would not be the first name on my list, you know. Not that he was a bad player. No, by like no that, means. So he was a good player. I, Very I good. just don't think he's quite Hall of Fame worthy. I would agree with yeah, you. I th- yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that one.
1: Yeah, so uh, again, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting that they're doing that. It you know, it guys it puts a lot of money in in these guys pockets once they get inducted into the Hall of Fame. They go on these um autograph tours and they make a buku amount of money when they start doing these autograph appearances. The minute they get into the Hall of Fame it it's a ton of money for them. So, I mean, sure. all the power to them, but Again, you know, I think, you know, when you think of Hall of Famers, you think of, you know, the greats of the game. And and Mawai doesn't fit into that. And there's a lot of other guys, too. I mean, we're just using him as an example.
0: I bet. Yeah, I do appreciate what he did for Zach, though. I mean, that was was Hall of Fame caliber. Yes. Without a doubt. No
2: doubt. That was class. Yep. And I bet if you asked Bruce Smith if he thought Richmond Webb belonged in Canton, he'd say yes for sure. He would. Yeah. He I has. Don't think so. yep. yes. He yep. has.
0: So, yep. um, all right. So, all right. I'm a new fan. I don't watch a lot of football. Uh, this is the first preseason game coming up. Tell me three things I should focus on Thursday.
1: Three things you should focus on on Thursday as a as a just as as a, a
0: new fan. I, I don't know what to watch. What should I be looking for? I know the game doesn't count. Uh, what what should I look at?
2: Execution on the first drive.
1: Right, and 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 uh, coming back in September when the games actually mean something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we, us the three of us obviously will be watching, and I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of other Dolphin fans that are really into it will be watching. But for the average fan, Mike, to watch a preseason game. I think they get bored with it after a while. Obviously, it's going to be very interesting to us because you know we we live this. Um, but the average fan, I mean, they want to be entertained, and these preseason games are hard to be en- ent- entertained in. You know, they they truly are. So. But getting back to what Jim said, yeah, absolutely. You want to see them execute when the starters are in. You want to see some of the young players, maybe as a new Dolphin fan, the draft picks saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's the guy that we drafted. Oh, that was a great play that he made. That was a great catch that, you know, that that uh, Williams made late in the game or whatever." So, you know, as a fan coming in, you're probably looking for guys you can relate to that were drafted. And guys that have been talked about if you're following them at all and seeing if they actually make plays during the course of the game. You know, because that's what we're looking for, you know. So I would imagine, you know, new fans would be looking for the same.
0: I think the most important thing to look at is one on one matchups. Right. Yeah. That would that would be my answer. If I had to pick one thing to look at, that would be it. Watch the one on one matchups. Don't worry so much about the score. The scores are relevant. Yeah, and let's uh-huh. let's hope, Mike, not to cut
1: you off, but uh-huh. and then you can get back to. But let's hope that you know the TV, uh, whoever's doing the the game, broadcasting the game, does that because sometimes when you watch these games, you're like, "Come on, guys we we want to we want to see guys like Adidas, for example, being isolated on the guy and showing us some of that while he's in the game because that's what these preseason games are all about." And I don't think they ever do enough of that. They just do with you. you know? I agree with so, you. Well, you know,
2: the, go ahead. the one-on-one battles that often get overlooked are the, you know, the the Dieter against the, the defensive tackle. And nobody really wants to talk about a guard and a tackle battling out in the trenches. But those are those one-on-one matches that whoever wins those one-on-ones in the trenches often dictates how the game's going to go. You know, you you always have a a defensive back on a wide receiver, but those one-on-ones are across the whole 11-on-11, so you can can find a lot of them to watch.
0: The other thing I think you should look for during the game is who stands out on special teams. Because that goes a long way towards those kids making the roster.
1: It does. There's no question about it. You know what? I'm really getting excited about it. We're a couple days away, and... um, you know, us sitting, you know, us sitting here talking about it, it's getting me fired up. So, you know, I, I hope they are productive and I hope all the things we talked about develop. You know, some of these guys that we drafted show us something in week one and then going forward from there. It gets you excited going into the season, you know. So let, let's just hope that we come out of this in a positive way. You know, I, and think, next-
0: I think we're all a little fired up, aren't we? I mean, even though it's the first preseason game, and even though we don't really like first preseason games, we're we're excited to have football back. We're excited to have you know something real to talk about. Absolutely, and the last thing I want to touch on before we close the show, real quick, uh, is the quarterbacks. I mean, Fitzpatrick has been named the starter for Thursday night. I don't think that means anything. I don't think uh, the competition is a real competition. I, I just think that they know who they're starting game one, and I think it's going to be Rosen. Really, I do.
1: Wow, that's 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 interesting, Mike. I that, do. And
0: like, I didn't think that weeks ago, but I do now.
1: Well, you know, as we watch the preseason, you know, week in and week out, and as we get closer, you might be right. That's a n yeah. that's a very bold prediction there because um, you know, I, I felt that at some point they they almost have to put him in, but I didn't think it would be in week one. So that that that's an interesting, interesting comment. So
0: well, you know, I'm listening to the things the coach is saying, and uh, you know, he's really pushing him. You know, he's he's really pushing him, and I think that they, uh, the reason he's pushing him so much is because he really wants to start him week one.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, who who wouldn't
0: want? So I'm I'm kind of reading between the lines. Yeah, who,
2: who wouldn't want Rosen to be your starter? Uh, but I'd love to see him rise to the occasion rather than just
0: throw throw i think the coach feels the same way exactly
2: i'm sure everybody does but a lot of people are just like he's got to start he's got to start and it's like well no he really doesn't if he's not ready i i wouldn't want him in the game but you you could have a little intuition going there, Mike. You know I wouldn't be terribly surprised. Rosen has been trending up. Uh, he's been throwing the ball with more velocity and and you know looking better. So, if it keeps going in that direction, you know he could be your starter.
0: Well, you know since he announced that uh, Fitzpatrick was a starter, uh, Rosen has had uh, four good practices in a row. I mean, not great practices, but good practices. So he's starting to feel himself a little bit and we'll see what happens from here. Obviously the games, what he does in the game is important. And uh, most importantly, it's how he leads.
1: Yeah. Right. No doubt. Oh, but without a question of a doubt, we want to see, you know, we've talked about this To you know, we've talked about it over and over again. We have to see something out of him because, you know, and, and I, and I hate to be negative. I really do. But, you know, when I look at Rosen, I don't know where his ceiling is going to be. Obviously, his ceiling we're hoping is going to be a lot higher than where Fitzpatrick's wound up or it is as 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 now, you know, as he is right now as a quarterback cuz he's on the tail end of his career. But my issue with Rosen is is where is his ceiling going to be? And as I looked at him last year, you know it, it, i i saw something that a lot of things that i didn't like so let's just hope that he is developing and as we watch the preseason and we get closer to it and we see him in these next four games i'm like holy cow this guy's starting to show me something above and beyond what i was expecting out of him because in my opinion i don't see his ceiling being any any better than a than an average quarterback in the league right now so let's hope that, you know, he proves me wrong and he goes out and starts just playing lights out and he gets us to a, a level to where we're saying, my God, we really have something with this guy. So we'll see. Yep.
0: All right. All right. So that's going to do it for uh, this, this evening's show. Uh, Jim, thanks for being here. Lou, thank you. And uh, you guys listening, thanks for listening. And uh, fins up. Fins up, guys. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network.